Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham. Thank you for joining me for today's amazing episode. Let me ask you this question. Do you find yourself doing things because other people want you to do them? Or were you raised to believe that you should do what others want or expect of you? Well, my guest today, Stacy Webb, she is a police officer and the author of The Intuitive Detective, and she will share with us her story of how she went from a life of people-pleasing to a life of where she is now led by her intuition. Stacy's father passed away when she was very young, and she didn't know exactly how he passed, but she knew that what she was being told wasn't quite right but she didn't wanna cause any trouble or make any waves. So she just went along with the story she was told. And she was always quote unquote, the good girl. And I'm sure those of you who are good girls know exactly what I'm talking about. And she didn't want others to feel uncomfortable or be emotionally inconvenienced. So she stuffed her emotions and did what she thought others expected of her. And so she was living her life to please other people. But all her life, she had this dream of becoming a police officer and helping people. And she really wanted to do it, but she didn't know how. And when she graduated high school, she was just too young to join the police academy. She was uh, 17, 19, and you had to be older. So she decided to attend the local university. And when she started there, she hated her classes and everything about being at uni as it's called in Australia. Yes, she is from Australia and you're gonna love her accent, by the way. (laughs) But she did these classes anyway, until one day she had a near fatal car accident. And I'm gonna let her tell you what happened from there, but let's just say that she had some very loving, most powerful guardians, higher guardians there to help her. Today's episode will open you up to listening to your intuition and guidance and how to make incredible changes in your life. But before I get started with my conversation with Stacy, let me tell you about next week's episode. I'll give you a peek into that. I talk with Nicole Kerr, an award-winning author who has just released her new book. It's called You Are Deathless. It's an amazing book. I love it. I'm reading it now. When Nicole was 19 years old, she was a cadet at the United States Air Force Academy. She was forced to learn how to live and love differently following a very terrifying, a very terrifying near-death experience. Her memory of the car crash that she endured came back 20 years later, and it has taken Nicole almost another two decades to align her soul, spirit, mind, and body, proving that healing is certainly a non-linear process. Her episode is very exciting, and I hope that you will join me on Sunday, September 11th at 9 a.m. to hear more from Nicole Kerr. And I also want to uh, remind you about the workshop in the Charlotte area on September 18th from 2.30 to 5.30 at Sanctuary Imports on Lamar Avenue. The workshop is all about accessing your digs or your divine intuitive guidance system. I will teach you a simple, fun process to access your Akashic records or your digs, and that by using your digs, you can manifest the life that you desire. 
So if you're tired of making those pesky little pros and cons lists when it comes to decision making, then join me for this workshop because I will teach you how to throw away those pesky lists forever. But instead, tap into your inner guidance system, your digs, for clear, precise direction that will never fail you. The information about the workshop location and how to register is provided in the show notes. I'm expecting it to fill up fast, so make sure you reserve your seat today. And please don't forget to subscribe on Apple or whatever app you use to listen to this podcast. And also follow me on all social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and just recently, TikTok. All these links are provided in the show notes. And you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is available. And if you like what you hear on Butterfly Kisses episode today, please leave me a review. And as always, five stars is very welcome. And please also share this episode with your family and friends, because as I always say, the more that we can inspire others to share their light, the more impact we can make on the world. So now please help me welcome Miss Stacy Webb. Please help me welcome Miss Stacy Webb to Butterfly Kisses. Stacy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, wow, I read your book, phenomenal. I have to say, I am I absolutely loved it. I read it in like almost a weekend, so it was a page turner. Uh, th- thank you, first off, Amy, for having me. I'm truly honored and privileged to be here, and also thank you for reading my book. <laughs> it was fantastic. I loved it. I mean, first of all being a detective a female detective kudos (laughs) we're you're gonna have to tell us all about your journey into joining the police force and what in the world did your mother think about that (laughs) yes (laughs) um well I could definitely talk about that to start with if you like so for me growing up I always wanted to be a police officer it was something that I felt that I was called to do and behind that really was the passion on wanting to help people. I knew from past experiences of when my dad passed away when I was younger that police were were involved and how they were able to create some type of support in what would have what would have been because I wasn't there when when that happened um, in terms of what would have been a very traumatic moment for my mum in terms of calling the police having police there crime scene and all of that and as I got older that just seemed to be the calling I wanted to do now when it came to my mother my mother did not like that at all <laughs> she was not supportive of it at all and 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 her reasoning what put behind it was her fear of whether I would get hurt or killed on the job so we used to have arguments when I was younger I like to think that I was very passionate and driven in what I wanted to do in life and with that always brought up the questionings of you know what I wanted to do when I was older and it was always like well I'm going to join the police force when I finish high school and we would always end in an argument. And so when it came to me actually finishing high school, I was 17 years old. And for you to graduate or what we call attestation, for us to attest from the parade ground and be a police officer here in Australia where I am, you had to be 19 years old. So I was too, too young to join. And 
for me, I originally wanted to be a police officer and be in forensic science in terms of to attend crime scenes and being able to help people as to why things may have happened. And for that, I thought, well, okay, I might try and study forensic science before I go into the police force. So I just, I'll put something else in before it. I just missed out on my points for to get into forensic science. So I chose another degree and I chose another science degree. And I did that instead. It was a applied biological and chemical technologies. And it was more in terms of research, food research, pharmaceutical, all of that type of stuff. But for me, I thought, oh, it's a science degree. It might help me get into where I need to go, finish the science degree. I'll go into the police force and then hopefully get into forensic science. And wham, bam, that's that's my life. I've That's what I've decided to do. And I started my science degree and I hated it. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> hated it I dreaded going to university and studying I dreaded doing the homework I tried not to study to just get out of it because it meant that I had to actually look at the words in textbooks and what I had written in lectures while I wasn't at uni and I didn't want to do that and so I hated it so much that I was envisioning ways that I would be able to get out of university you know I was envisioning me having a car accident on the way to university just so I didn't have to go but it wouldn't be my fault in a sense in terms of how I envisioned in my mind and while that was all happening everyone else seemed absolutely happy with the fact that I was studying this science degree my mother was over the moon for the fact that I was studying this degree she Mm -hmm. was hoping that I would study the degree and end up going a different path instead of being a police officer and and I guess other other people other family and friends thought the same and they were hoping you know Stacey you're studying a science degree and you can go into type of research or can go into pharmaceutical you can get good money it's better money than being a police officer so why would you still want to have this dream why would you want to do that and was kind of always dismissing it because their vision of what how they perceived my life should, should be greater and I ended up people pleasing and was just studying this degree purely because it made them happy And so I avoided the confrontation of arguments because it was just easier to do it than have the argument with them and so forth. It kind of seemed like a loop for myself. And I did end up having a car accident. I, no one else was involved. It was my, it was myself. I um, ended up having a car accident where I could have died and I'm extremely grateful and extremely appreciative of the fact that, I didn't die in that car accident that day. But it wasn't until even months afterwards that I realised I'm still doing this degree that I hate. I am still studying this degree. I said if I had a car accident that it would be a a reason for me not to go. I had a car accident to the point where I nearly died, had no car, and I was still making my way to go into uni. So, Stacey, what are you doing And I just sat there in my room in tears going, what am I doing? I'm doing this because it's making everyone else happy, but it's making me miserable. I'm depressed because I'm doing something that I hate and I'm just doing it because it's making everyone else happy, but they're not living my life. 
and I decided then that I was going to leave uni and I had a conversation with my mum and I was very proud of myself in this conversation in the fact that I wasn't going to her for permission but I wanted to tell her before I left uni that this was what I was going to do. I felt for myself it was this beautiful way of me breaking away from this people pleaser within me and and a slight chance of going away from my perfectionism because I do have that as well that I've been on that journey to go this is what I want to do and this is what I'm doing and I'm leaving this degree with three months left to go mm-hmm. and going going where I want to go and in my mind I had all of these defenses of what I was going to say because I knew in the past it was always constant argument 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 and my mom just went Stacey you got to do what you you got to do what makes you happy and if you're not happy doing this degree and you want to leave then leave support you you do what you want to do and and I said even if that means joining the police force and she's like well I can't stop you and I'm still going to be worried about you but again you have to do what you're going to do and I'm going to love you no matter what and so I did I left my uni degree applied for the police force got in and went to the police academy and strangely enough it was then other friends who are not friends now I guess it's that that is the path in terms of when you break away from people's and breaking away from the perceptions with them not agreeing with it was that they didn't understand why I just didn't finish it. Mm -hmm. Why not finish it? It's only three months left to go. And I'm like, but for the last 18 months, I've been on this journey of hating myself because I've been on this studying this degree out of people pleasing for that. I'm not staying another three months. I can't stay another three months. This is me now standing up for myself, standing up for the people pleasing within me to go, no, this is what I want to do. For me staying an extra three months, how is that benefiting you? It's not benefiting me at all and this is my life. And so I did. I left uni with three months left to graduate from that bachelor's degree and I joined the police force. And I went in the police academy, did my training and attested on that parade ground and became a police officer and have you you ever gone back and gotten your bachelor's degree I have got a bachelor's degree in policing and police investigations but but not in science in in biological and chemical technologies no (laughs) but it was that the moment that I decided for myself that this is what I want to do because this is where my intuition is telling me to go and by me not following following it, I merely hear people pleasing others. I am doing this degree to make other people happy or get validation from other people to go, oh, Stacey, you're doing so well because you're studying a science degree. Like where I grew up in, in terms of this middle-class, um, low socioeconomical society where, where I grew up, there were some people that never finished high school. And here I am finishing high school studying a science degree. There was a lot of validation that was coming my way that did make me feel good on how great I was doing in life. But in reality, I wasn't doing great in life because I absolutely hated my life. And so that was really this big turning point in my life of the statuses that people were placing on me. Mm -hmm. 
that I don't need to abide by anymore. And breaking away from that was just the most absolutely freeing moment within myself. Even when I had the comments of, you know, we well, only had three months to go and I don't understand why you didn't do this and where the old me would feel like I'd have to defend myself, where I'd have to try and put things in place that they kind of would understand. I just, it was this most amazing surreal feeling that I just didn't give a crap about what they thought and I didn't feel like I had to defend myself and it was this moment of allowing me to live my life and it felt so congruent I felt so aligned with myself that here is my intuition that's been telling me to do this for quite a while and I'd kind of been avoiding it or pushing away or hoping it would go away or hoping it would change its message for me but it just sort of kept coming back louder to me to actually listen to it trust it and follow it not knowing whether I'd pass in the police academy and come out not knowing whether I'd actually get into the police academy at that point not knowing how where I was going to be stationed as a police officer and where I would go and 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 not having any control of that but just to follow what my heart desired was the most absolute most freest feeling I've ever experienced in my whole life and I'm so appreciative for that 19 year old me at that point in time 19 20 year old me that actually took this stand for me that felt like I always had to do what other people wanted to feel good to actually break away from that what was the turning point for you that allowed you to do that I know you had the car accident. Yeah. The, well, so when I had the car accident, the car accident was it was a very interesting moment in my life at that point as well. I was driving and I pulled over because I had this intuitive message to me to wind down my window and turn off my car radio and put my phone on charge, which I did do all of those things, which were very out of the norm at that time for me I hate driving with my window down because I get a lot of sound and it hurts my ears I usually never drive with my window down but I did on that occasion I had that intuitive message to turn off my radio and I'm like I'm out driving in the bush on <laughs> the bush on the road by myself where it's pitch black I don't I, I'm I quite would like to have the music on, which I, I would play, but at that point I did turn it off. And then when I had the message to go put your phone on charge, I'm like, what my phone's charged? Like I don't, my phone's not running out of battery, but I did. And you know, we're talking the early 2000s where you had the phone charge and it had the little coil around it for your your Nokia phones. <laughs> and so I did that. And I did all of that before I drove down this one particular road that's out in the bush where I am. And it's very dark, pitch black at night. There's really big, long, tall trees on each side of the single lane road, except for this one little one little spot that's near a creek that doesn't have trees. And I did all of that, wound down my window, Turned off, my, turned off my car radio and put my phone on charge before I went down this road that I've driven down like 
twice nearly every day. It was one of the roads that I drove to go to university for that science degree. So I knew that road like the back of my hand. And as I drove down this particular road, we're out in the bush. So there's lots of, you know, wild animals in terms of we've got kangaroos around. It does back onto paddocks. So there would be cows and, and, and all of that type of stuff that could, that could come out as well. And I did have an animal that ran out in front of me. And being the... 19 year old driver that I was I was a bit inexperienced where I did brake and I oversteered and I lost control of my car and I ended up going off the side of the road the one little patch that doesn't have any trees near the creek is where I went off and my car flipped over twice where I landed on the roof of my car and my hand during the flip actually fell out of that window and I had no idea until I realized that I was upside down, that the roof of my car is on the ground. And as I went to try and move to get out, I realised that my hand is trapped because the roof of the car is on top of my hand. And if my win- if my window was up, my arm would have went through the window and, and that would have obviously caused more damage. I, my, my hand was only sprained as a result of that accident and a really big imprint was actually on the top of my, the top of the roof of my car when, it ended, when I ended up seeing it. But that would not have been the case if I had the window up and my hand would have, my hand would have went through that. Again, interestingly enough, so my window was bound down, my car radio was off and here I am trapped. My arm is trapped and I can only move so much and I've thought, I'm out in the bush. No one is going to come and find me. I'm in a pitch black road, middle of the night, so to speak. No one's going to come out and get me. And I feared that I was going to be there forever, especially I was, I think I was only a metre or so away from the creek that it was. And I feared, wasn't too sure whether my car was going to move again. And I feared going into the creek. And I thought, oh, I need to call emergency services in, in Australia the number is triple zero. So for me, I was like, I need to call triple zero. I need to get someone to come out here and help me. And my phone had actually, during the roll of my car, had actually fallen down the front passenger side well of the car where your feet go. So I couldn't reach it, but my phone was on its car charger. So got the little coil and I'm slowly, I was slowly trying to move it to flick it up in short spaces, I feared if I did a really big flip that the phone charger would fall out and it, the phone would stay in the footwell. So I was doing like small little small little <laughs> jumps for it to eventually come to me so I could reach it and call triple zero. And while that had all happened, I not even realising until afterwards, I was actually breathing doing slow breaths and every time that I would exhale I was pressing my brake and I was doing that to get away from the pain of my hand that was under the roof of my car and as I was on the phone to triple O services as I was on the phone to the ambulance a car had come past and seen my brake lights and stopped and helped me wow so with that car accident itself a lot of people, family, friends were like, Stacey, you could have died. Your dad was looking out for you. Your dad was looking out for you. Everything was all about my dad. And, and my dad had passed away when I was 12, where I got told he was electrocuted at home, working around the house. And I never truly believed it. 
but I also never asked any questions about it because I really didn't want to know the answers. I was too scared to know the answers. And I kind of just felt like it was easier because I was so traumatised with the fact that my dad had died so suddenly that I pushed it away and I pushed it aside and I didn't want to know about it. And, you know, I was the eldest of my siblings and really wanted to help out my family and, and step up to the plate in helping my mum and helping my brothers and sisters that I just did that instead. And it was easier mm. to help my family and be the second parent, so to speak, than it was to face more questions of my father's death, even though I didn't believe it, even though I knew that there was questions I needed to ask. It was just easier at that time to not to. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that was me. I was too afraid to find out what those answers were because I knew, again, it was going to change my life. And my life had already changed with him dying that I didn't think I could handle another change. So when I had this car accident and everyone was sort of saying, well, because I, I told people, well, I, this is what I did. I actually pulled over before I went down that street because, you know, and I because this is just what my mind had told me to do and everyone kept saying well, that was my dad looking out for me. And so it really then did bring up more questions about my dad and his death. And with that my intuition was telling me you need you need to find out more now is the time to ask the questions you know I know you're scared but you need to know you need to find out you need to face the fear that you have been avoiding for so long and so that actually brought up for me to sit down with my mum and and ask more about my dad's death. So I got told that my dad had electrocuted inside the house and I never asked my mum whereabouts in the house that was. That's how much I didn't want to know more Mm. about my dad's death. And so, but I I guess in saying that I must, uh, my mum tells me I must have obviously, you know, I, I did subconsciously know that that wasn't the truth, but I apparently over the years had maybe just made statements about things where my mum would come and ask me a question in terms of wanting to know more and I would actually say no I don't want to know anything more about it but at other times I would also maybe say a statement or or say a rhetorical question and walk away as if I knew something wasn't right but just didn't want to ask anymore so when I actually sat down and 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 asked my mum more about my dad's death it was in also this big sigh really from my mum because she was, you know, she sat there and said, the truth is your dad chose to die by suicide and I told you something different. And so that was this grieving process again and in a very different way of finding out the true reason of, of my father's death. And it was also this beautiful journey within myself to connect back to my intuition that I had pushed away and Mm -hmm. and tried to disconnect from for so for so long because I was so scared of the changes or and I and I just feared so much because I was so traumatized from what had happened and so with that really then started to sort of then go again why am I studying this degree that I don't like here I am I'm hating it I'm depressed and I don't want to be like my dad I love my dad but I don't want to be depressed and get to the point where I feel like 
I then want to choose suicide. Mental health now is then in the family in terms of knowing that I don't want to be that as well. What can I do to change my life so I can be happy, so to speak? You know, at the beginning of my healing, what can I do to be happy? And it was, you've got to do what you want to do. And that meant breaking people's perceptions of me that meant disappointing people and for me as a people pleaser that's (laughs) that was a really hard hurdle to get over which was why it was so then liberating and free to actually break away from that people pleaser as this big big step into my own alignment and congruency to go this is what I'm going to do and I know it may not make you happy but this is my life and I'm living my life. And so that also then brought up, yeah, brought so much more in terms of finding out how my dad had died and the, and the full reason, everything behind it. And, and yes, I did grieve again, but it really then allowed me to look at life a different way, which again allowed me to, not, my dad didn't have to die for me to, to go on that specific journey, but I then felt like I could actually step forward and and be who I want to be and at that point in time it was I wanted to be a police officer so that's an amazing journey to go down I mean just the the courage it takes to be able to step into who you are authentically and to say this is what I'm going to do whether it's what you like or not (laughs) And it's, it's so funny how we get so tied up in what other people think of us and we forget that it's our life. Yeah. We're the only ones living it. They're not living it. They're living their own life. (laughs) Yeah. Doing their own thing. And we get to live our own, we get to our own life. So how, how did you face that fear? I mean, how did you say, okay, this is, this is it. I, First off, in terms of when it came to to my dad's death, finding out about that, it was facing the fear to go, I'm not liking my life right now Mm -hmm. and everything now is pointing me to know more about something that's happened in the past and I know I may not know all the answers and I don't know all the answers I don't know the reason why my dad chose to to die by suicide there there was no notes or anything like that so I don't know all of those reasons but for me it was needing to know more information about his death because again I knew it wasn't real I knew it wasn't true what was told to me but I was so scared and feared the changes if I did know that that's what then is what pushed everything that I felt that was me aside and at that point in time as well was my intuition you know I I knew my dad died before I was told that he died I knew what I was told wasn't right I knew that finding out the real reason would change my life and all of that scared me and I was at a point in my life when I then decided okay I need to know I was so scared of the change but I also knew at that point it can't be worse than this (laughs) it can't be worse than me hating my life as it is and that 
it did bring on this most intense, you know, pain. I was grieving again. But facing that fear then allowed me to go, my life is going to change and it doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad thing. I feared change as being bad. I associated change with bad because I associated my life changing when I was younger as this bad thing because my dad wasn't here anymore. That to me was bad. And so I feared, again, any type of change that went into anything about learning about him as to possibly being bad and to sort of go through and, and I didn't know it then as I was doing it, I guess more as I reflect back on my journey now, was for me I was going through these different layers of what the fears that I had. If I find out this, what is that going to mean and what? why am I scared of that and what's underneath that? Well, why am I scared of this? And I was going through my own layers of the fears that I had and it all went down to I feared my life changing And just one day of having this question that came to me went, would it be bad if your life did change? And I really sat down in reflection to go, well, no, it wouldn't. I'm actually asking for my life to change because I don't like the degree I'm at. I'm actually asking it for it to change. And things have happened, like the character that I asked for and, and everything else. These things are happening and I still haven't changed my life why haven't I changed it? Because I feared what people thought of me and and I feared their disapproval. I feared not being seen as the good girl because here Mm. I am growing up wanting to help my family and I'm wanting to help please people when it came to that. And I was very good at school and I did great in my grades and, and I was a good girl growing up and there's nothing wrong with that but I feared not being seen by that by people and I feared the confrontation of it. And I sort of went, sat there in terms of here I am, I'm asking for change in my life. This is an opportunity to have a change in my life to break away from this uni degree. I'm fearing not being the good girl. I'm fearing confrontation. All of that could change if I actually changed my life and did what I wanted. And it was so scary and I just had to trust myself and trust the unknown, which is so, was so hard for me because I am also the perfectionist and I like control and I like to know what's on the other side of things. But for this particular time, I just knew that next step I needed to do was to face that fear of rejection from people and to go, is it a bad thing if they rejected me? And deep down the answer was no. So what was life like for you after you started doing what you <clears throat> knew was right for you? You aligned yourself with your intuition. You joined the police force and you were doing what you felt was right for you. What was life like for you after that? I was loving life. That was the big change. I went from hating my life at an age where you should be enjoying your life mm-hmm. to loving my life. I enjoyed been a, I enjoy being a enjoyed being a police officer. I enjoyed going to work. I enjoyed helping people. And yes, there there were certain times that were jobs that were confronting with with trauma and everything else, either 
witnessing other people being in that trauma or as well as myself being in that trauma as as a police officer but the general overall was loving my life and I had have to thank that 19 year old version of me the 19 20 year old version of me that actually took this chance and she had no idea what was going to happen (laughs) and she just took this chance she just she faced this fear and just went why not you don't like this love now why not and actually did it and I am so grateful for her because I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for her because that actually started this beautiful path in my life into having this this beautiful career as a police officer. I'd like to think I was a very good police officer and, and did help a lot of people in that and that's actually helped me become into the path I am now as an intuitive trauma release mentor to go along that path. It to do that and what happened afterwards was a complete change and yes like in terms of I said yes I did grieve again but it was allowing the natural flow of grief to happen and it actually allowed this this beautiful release of of fear and trauma that was actually stuck inside me because I resisted it for so many years thinking that if I resisted it I didn't need to grieve it and grieving is a, it is a natural part of what does need to happen. And here I was trying to control it. <laughs> so allowing that to, to act, to allow its path to happen and allow the release of what it needed to release actually helped my own mental health and well-being at the same time. It allowed me to start going through deeper layers in my own healing journey because here I knew for many years that my mum was telling me a lie, but it allowed me as years went on to go through this beautiful uncovering in itself to see this different side of my mum and to have the forgiveness to myself for neglecting, not wanting to know the truth for so many years. It allowed me to have compassion that I didn't realize needed to be there for my dad it allowed me to have compassion for my mum and my the rest of my siblings and it really allowed me to to release a lot of things that I kept within my body that I kept trapped within myself fearing that it was best if I bottled it all up instead of allowing it to to flow so yeah There's a quote in your book here that I have highlighted that absolutely stuck out to me. And I think it's appropriate to bring up here. It says, what we tend to forget about, or what we tend to forget when we don't talk about death is that we stop talking about life. Yes. Yes. For many years, I never spoke much about my dad and his death after he died. And it was also because I didn't really want to say how he died because I knew it wasn't the truth, but I didn't really know how else to go about it. And at the same time, I could see my mum grieving and she was not wanting to talk about it with us because she felt she had to be strong for us. And in her mind, with, with her generation, in her family lineage, was to not be upset or talk about 
missing my dad even though you could just tell <laughs> you could just tell by even looking about her how much she missed him you could see the pain of her even talking about him just caused so much pain and so for many years we didn't speak much in certain aspects of my father which then was really having this this moment and this conditioning that I had growing up that in death we don't talk about and that also happened you know when when other family members have passed away about not really so much talking about it because it made other people upset you know for for me I, I know that a lot of people did know the truth about my dad before me so for some degree they were probably uncomfortable to talk about my dad to me because they weren't sure about what to say and they didn't want to make me they didn't want to say anything and it made them uncomfortable if I ever mentioned my dad to them. You know, we're, we're talking, he died in the 90s where mental health wasn't very much talk about and had a really big stigma attached to it, in, including suicide. So it made other people uncomfortable if I ever did talk about my dad and mm -hmm. so it was easier not to talk about him. And as I learned the truth about my dad and 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 his death and started to have this this focus on my life in this different way it also allowed me to look reflect back on myself to go not talking about his death was again not talking about life itself not talking about him and his and, and not not have exactly having to talk about how he died but because of that I wasn't talking about him at all and what that was was as if he was removing his life from mine forever when really he's always been there and always will be. And it really allowed me to have this different outlook on death and this unlearning and relearning that death doesn't have to equal bad that we don't talk about forever, that we can talk about death and it actually is this beautiful way for allowing us to to grieve and allowing us to continue on this healing journey with death being a part of it. And so, yeah, it was really about making sure that it doesn't, it doesn't mean it has to end forever. Beautifully said. So how do you work with clients to move through their suffering or their, their trauma in their life? How do you, how do you use the EFT or the emotional freedom technique? Um, yeah so with my clients it, 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 the sessions also depend on on what it is that we need to work through as well so the, the main thing is always to first off is helping them create safety in their body because if they're stuck in a fight flight freeze or fawn response we're not going to be able to release release anything from our body because their body is in a survival state their body is already in a state that they're it, they've it's chosen thinking that that's what it needs to do to survive and it, we need to be in those states but we're not meant to be stuck in them and if we are stuck in that state we need to first create that safety in their body so for some people they may have never had that for most of their life and it may take a bit of while and for other people not so much but first off it's about helping them create safety in their body because once that happens we can get them out of fight flight freezer form into what we call the ventral vagal state into a state where they feel 
safer, where they feel more grounded, where they feel connected to themselves. And that allows them open to curiosity, allows mm-hmm. them open to, to change. And so once we get them into that, we can then work through what it is that they're, they're particularly working on. So for some, it could be an an actual trauma event that they know of that they want to work on. And when I say that we work on trauma, we're not removing what the trauma has happened. We, We can't do that. Whatever has happened has happened. But what I do is help assist with them building a flexible nervous system, allowing them to regulate themselves through co-regulation or self-regulation that there's a number of tools which include emotional freedoms techniques otherwise known as tapping which include breath work which includes somatic embodiment and and doing those type of tools allowing them to have this beautiful flexible nervous system so when they are activated or for other people they may resonate with the word word triggered they're able to look through as to, to what it is that is activating them and to seeing if what we can do to release that and allows them to be able to respond to things rather than reacting. And so if someone wants to, they've got an unhealthy habit that they want to change. So for instance, they're drinking too much alcohol and, and they want to change, but they can't. What is underneath the reasons for the drinking alcohol you know as we go through those layers there is going to be some type of fear some type of subconscious fear or some type of trauma that has that they've associated with that and as we can work through to to release those blockages that is then how we're able to release that from the body and I do that with this beautiful intuitive blend of using EFT tapping of using breath work of using somatic embodiment which is work it's tools that are working with the body because that's where the trauma that's where the fear is trapped to allowing that to release because our bodies hold that trauma our bodies decide when you go into fight flight freeze or fawn before your mind does your mind just attaches the story to it and so that's where we can help when it comes to the triggers or the activations that people have another example could be if someone had a car accident and they get activated with stress and anxiety when they drive past the scene of where they had that accident so that's a trigger for them and we can help work into releasing it so I'm not removing the car accident the car accident happened but hopefully that we're able to help them to be able to respond as they for some people they might need to drive past that accident every day but they get this amount immense amount of stress and anxiety helping that to release that. So building that beautiful, flexible nervous system allows that response to maybe not always be extremely stressed and anxiety all the time. And it may then only happen on certain occasions, you know, for example, the anniversary of when things happen and stuff like that. And it's just allowing the honouring of the body of that. And that allows the release of that. When we, when we face the fears of that and go through those different layers, of the root as to why that's happening that's where we're able to release it and for some people as they get that anxiety and stress as they say for instance go past that the car accident their body 
has gone into that response because their body thinks they're back at the scene of the car accident. So if we allow that flexible nervous system to go in, we're able to let the body know that as you drive past that, you're not having the car accident again. And so we don't need to activate your body into Mm -hmm. the fight flight mode and and freeze or fawn by having the sweaty palms nap because your body now knows no we're not having that when we're not experiencing that memory of that car accident again and so we don't need to have all of those symptoms that come up and so obviously it's a different process for different clients because everyone's working on everything different and everyone's healing journey and everyone's traumas and, and fears come up in all different ways. And so it really does cater to them, but it is always coming back down to, to creating safety into their nervous system, to cultivating a relationship with themselves. You know, them, themselves now, they're in a child, allowing this, this beautiful flow of life. And that includes all aspects of life, including death, to, to be incorporated into your healing journey because that's what it that that's what it is it's your unique healing journey of what's happened in your life and going through that process with them so yeah what's one thing that people can do if they want to start on this healing journey i mean obviously you know having a near-death experience <laughs> is not recommended for everybody <laughs> but what can they do? What's one step that they can do or take? I would say first off is to, to start becoming aware of your body and your nervous system, of being aware of when you are in fight, flight, freeze or fawn responses, of even when you're being aware of when you are back in that ventral vagal state, when you are feeling that sense of safety. Because as you start to become awareness of that, for some people, they might realize that they never feel safety, that they actually might always feel stuck in in flight response or stuck in a fight response or stuck in this freeze response of with, you know, in terms of withdrawing from life or something. They may not that then if you actually can start to become aware of the different states that your body is in at all various amounts times of day I think just even starting that if you've ever wanted to to be on your own healing journey just knowing how your body operates how your nervous system operates is the most beautiful start whether that's you jotting it down if you're if you're inclined to do that but just taking note of it Mm -hmm. start to know you start to again become connected to yourself because then if you realize that you are extremely stressed out all the time and really angry and snapping all the time and you're in you know yelling all the time if you might be in that stuck in that fight response and sort of go okay I'm in this fight response all the time actually I don't ever remember being very much in my safety response so then they can actually start to bring awareness to actually do some self-regulating tools to enable them to do that. Or if they do realize that they have at times been in this beautiful feeling of safety and connected, okay, what, w- what was happening around then that allowed me to do that? Mm-hmm. Was I, you know, playing with my children? Was I laughing or was I doing all these things? So then you know that you might be able to 
incorporate laughter into your day is this beautiful way of activating our vagus nerve to bring this beautiful laughter in that that might actually help us start to be in a in in a beautiful sense of safety to actually maybe coming back to your breath and actually taking some very deep intentional breaths might actually start to help you realize within yourself in your body that you are actually coming back down to safety so once you become aware of that you might start doing that a little bit more especially if you might start doing a little bit more just for the general day and you also might start doing more when you become aware that you're in different states of dysregulation in your body such as fight flight freeze or fawn and if you don't want to be in that state more knowing that you can try to do that and see how you feel afterwards so i would suggest becoming becoming more aware of your body and the states of your body that it's in so you can start to build that beautiful relationship with your body which then helps to start build that beautiful flexible nervous system that's awesome yes 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 well how can people find you where can they get your book and yep so my book the intuitive detective is available at all major online bookstores so Amazon, Kindle, for in America, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. You can get them all online there. For, for us in Australia on uh, Demox Online or Angus and Robinson as well as Amazon AU and, and on Kindle. So you can get my book there. You can find me on Instagram. I'm uh, underscore Stacey Webb as well as on Facebook and my website is www.stacyweb.com.au and there I do one-on-one sessions in my intuitive release mentoring as well as rebirthing breathwork and I do group sessions as well for nervous system healing and group sessions on rebirthing breathwork as well. Yay. All right. I will have all of that in the show notes as well. But one last question for you, if you had an opportunity to sit on a park bench with someone, whether that person be on this side of the veil or on the other side of the veil, who would that be? And what would you talk about for an hour? Oh, well, that would definitely be my dad. Um, I would just love to have this beautiful connection with my inner child with him and just to it will be nothing about his death I don't know I don't for me now I'm very comfortable I don't need to know why he chose to to leave earth by suicide I think it will be just beautiful just to enjoy the day and just to to talk every day every day nonsense type stuff just how my day went how his day went and just going out for dinner or sitting at the bench and talking about our lives, just that beautiful connection that allows this connection back to my family lineage. It allows this beautiful healing in my own generational trauma. It allows this beautiful healing for my own inner child and and also would just allow this beautiful connection back to my dad. So I would definitely choose him. Aww. definitely a daddy's girl yes (laughs) (laughs) i can tell well stacy thank you so much for joining us on butterfly kisses today i have enjoyed this conversation and you are just a beautiful soul thank you so much for having me i enjoyed being here thank you for joining me on another episode of butterfly kisses a journey of spiritual transformation 
If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.